We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 324. Scott, stop me when you've heard this story before. So, Yankees beat the crap out of the Royals, but lose Aaron Judge. Yeah, unfortunately, that's two years in a row now. That's uh, that's a that's a thing that I'm really getting sick of uh, of hearing. And you know, the last guy that we didn't want to see, the last guy that we were just like, please, 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 stay healthy. And he goes down with a uh, with an oblique strain, and you knew it immediately. You could tell that he was angry. He was mad that it happened, almost like he was like waiting for it to happen, and then mm, it did. Conspiracy. I know. I saw that going around, and then I, when you when you watch his home run swing, and you can almost kind of um, and his trot around the bases, you, you can kind of see him making a face, right, as he's rounding second base. There's a little bit of a grimace, yeah, for sure. Uh, like almost like uh, maybe maybe that's a little tight there. I don't know what's going on, but I don't want to I don't want to go too far down the down the rabbit hole and say that he was playing hurt and just out there for his teammates. But that is something Aaron Judge would do. 
Well, I mean, as an athlete and as a competitor too, if you feel something and it's, it's, uh, you know, not a big deal, it may be just a little bit of an uncomfort and you're, you're trying to play through it. Like I have no problem with guys trying to play through something that's doesn't feel like it's a big deal. Um, but the problem with that is that when, when you have a guy like Aaron judge, who's such a, a big bodied guy that, you know, when things go bad can go very bad quickly, I think a lot yeah. more quickly than, you know, a guy who's six foot, um, and you know 180 then then yeah that like that that can that can get out of control fast and and on a the way you know as hard as he swings you know you could tell the way the way that he reacted to me was like he knew something in the back of his mind that there that he had some uh, discomfort or you know whether he talked about it with anybody i don't know but the reaction alone just the reaction alone as immediate as it happened you could tell something uh i don't know something was a little different they did exactly what we asked them to do. It was not not in the way we thought it was going to happen. They won three out of four from Kansas City. They finished the homestand strong. They're now above 500 finally at 11 and 10. But they have a hangover on Thursday from a fog machine boogie down, whatever the hell that was. And then they lose Aaron Judge a couple of days later. It was, a, it was a weird weekend. They almost totally wrecked the weekend with a bullpen <laughs> meltdown on Sunday afternoon. But man, this judge thing, it's like, I don't know how, as a fan, as a fan, you know, if you, if you, when you told me, if you had told me three out of four heading to the West Coast with a walk-off win on Sunday, I, I would have been so excited to know, to know that was going to happen. I'd say, okay, let's go. Let's, let's, let's do this thing. But how, as a fan, after this weekend, can you really be that excited with everything that this team has gone through so far? Because you guys got, because we have Clint Frazier talking about his confidence every time he steps into the box at an all-time high. Great. I don't know if you saw that video. I saw when you it. See, when you Beautiful. see a guy like Clint Frazier saying all-time high, and what that means is a very high level of a player in the major leagues. And when you're seeing the guys go down and you see these guys that are still in there, that are fighting, that are playing their asses off, that's what you get excited about. You get excited about the guys who are going to step up, rally around the next man up mentality, and use this as an opportunity and a platform to get themselves into the major leagues on the scene. And that's exactly what we're seeing from Clint Frazier. So, yeah, look, the injuries suck. We're getting guys back, so that's the other side. We got guys coming back on the West Coast trip, just after that West Coast trip, potentially. So there is light around the, uh, at the end of the tunnel, but... You know, I think if we if we dwell on all of these injuries, we'll go crazy. It's not it's just dwelling. they're just too many. It's not dwelling, but it's at a certain point you can't expect the team. You just got to hope for survival mode, right? Well, that's that's what we're in now. We're in survival mode. That's currently what is happening. Yeah, and and we have got in, in the in the uh, in the eighth inning last night. We we had this was the the storyline. Okay. Austin Romine drives in Mike Talkman to tie the game. It, so this, this is the ninth a, inning. That's a second week of spring training yeah. kind of kind of lineup. That's a that's a, a a split squad lineup. That's that's what you see in the box score. But that's where we are. So yeah, yeah, we're we're definitely right now in survival mode. Yeah. Are you making a big deal out of the the fog machine thing with the with the strobe lights on Wednesday after the Yankees swept uh, Boston in those two games. No, I, I mean it's not a big deal to me. It's a stupid look. It looks dumb. I think like what are you doing? But uh, at the same time, I really don't care. 
uh, that these guys are having some fun. It's just it's just a bad look, honestly. Like celebrating with a, a fog, but again, it doesn't really bother me. If 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 you had if you gave me two options, you said fog machine and strobe light, or no fog machine and strobe light. <laughs> right, right. I'd pick the latter. So there's there's just no, um, you know. But that's just me. You well, know, I don't so, I don't like celebrating to get into the play in game either. So I think that's dumb. But this is not celebrating. So this is where I think people made too big of a deal out of it. Uh, and they made a big deal out of it because on Thursday they looked like dog crap. Yeah, but well, but that's Wednesday, optics, baby. That's what happens. That's optics. I get it. But Wednesday, they didn't. They weren't partying all at all nights of the hour, dropping Molly until four a.m. Well, that's exactly this what it was sounds like. Five minutes. I know that. But this was in the five minutes before the media was let into the clubhouse. They put a fog machine on and probably were screaming and and saying, "All right, let's go, baby. We 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 beat the Red Sox twice. We got five minutes to to be with our teammates before we got to talk to the media." That's all it was. People turned it into, "Oh, this team went to a rave on Wednesday night." Well, I did like where Twitter went with this a couple of times. Uh, I was having a back and forth about who the who the glow stick guy was, who was the guy with the pacifier and the beads in the corner, like which which guys are these? And because when you think about fog machines and you think about strobe lights, that's where you go. You go directly to the rave scene, which is late night, all night. And uh, yeah, you know, people don't people don't read. They don't know that it happened for five minutes. They just see strobe lights and fog machine. So. Obviously, the Yankees were partying all night, and uh, you know they were at, you know, hitting the clubs. That's, so you that's know what, how that's what people thought in the Hangover. They lose the the Doug character. Who's yeah. Doug on the team? Because I I think there's a clear winner in my mind. Who's Doug on the team? Um, the guy they just misplace. Guy they just misplace. I, I can't think of it right now. Who, I think it's have? I think it's Tyler Wade. Oh, see, I don't think that. I think Tyler Wade's the glow stick kid. Okay, Tyler so. Wade's Tyler Wade's definitely the guy. But with, see that with, that could be the insane, same kid. That could be the same of, guy. You can't lose the glow stick guy. Literally, Once the glow, glow sticks, sticks run out of energy, then you just you just lose him in the abyss. Yeah, no, I I, I disagree with this one. He's got a ton of energy and he's bouncing all over the place. Like that, you're not losing that guy. He's not going to let you lose him. But like you said, had they just won on Thursday and then maybe lost one of the games on Friday or Saturday, I don't think this would have been as big of a deal. No, I, I don't really think it was that big of a deal. I think it lasted for a few hours, but you know, the fact that they came and and finished and took three of four from Kansas City, that's uh, you know, I think it puts the fog machine to bed. And who was the guy on Friday night to once again step up and say, no, 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 this is not going how you think it's going to go? Sabathia, CC comes in five innings, uh, one earned, unearned run, five strikeouts. He's coming up on his three thousandth uh, strikeout milestone. But he's the dude again, just when you could see something going wrong with the team to say, no, I'll take the ball. I'm going to set this ship on the right course. Yeah, I mean, that's that's his, that's been his position. That's been his position since uh, since, you know, for a long time since he's been on this team. But especially the past, you know, two to three years, we're seeing him come in at big situations and not necessarily big situations where you're looking at the scope of what's happening. And, you know, we're in April and just lost one game to the Kansas City Rose after beating the Red Sox. But he just writes the ship, makes sure everything is is nice and, and calm and and comes in and throws his, you know, five innings. That's uh, that's solid, solid baseball, keeps your team in the game and just gives that calming presence. I think that's what it is. Had they lost on Friday and then ended up with a split to Kansas City at home to finish the road trip? I mean, to finish the homestand before a long west coast road trip i think that would have been a, a kind of a disaster i mean i don't think it would have been a disaster if you split it, it's 
I don't think if you ever split, it's a disaster. But when you split at home to one of the worst teams in baseball after you just finally got some momentum by beating them, I would say that that's a positive because we've been losing series to horrible teams at home. (laughs) That that would be trending up. All right. Split on the road, I I can agree with, especially when you're down everybody on your team. Like if they split against the Angels in this four game series in Anaheim, I'll take it. I'm not taking a split against the Royals. Yeah, well, they didn't do it. So either way, the the Royals are an interesting team because they are very, I think they're a lot, they're different than what you see across the league. They're not the home run team that's going to come out there and and beat you that way. They got the Billy Hamilton's of the world and and, and a bunch of of burners, basically. So they're they're going out and playing baseball very different. And uh, they're pesky. You know, they're one of those pesky teams, but they're a lot of speed. Yeah. And then Saturday, obviously, the judge injury is the thing. Uh, it's the it's the the um, Steve Carell no gif. It's the this is my nightmare gif from I love you man. It's every all bad things rolled up in one when Aaron Judge gets injured. But there was also a weird play in this game with the Glaber home run no home run call. I mean that one that was the biggest thing <laughs> when I'm looking at when I'm watching this game. First of all, everybody had a different opinion about this. Like it, literally every single person had a a different opinion and. When, when you're looking at the rules, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the rule. Okay, I went to MLB.com, the glossary, the rules. Uh-huh. We've we've referenced the glossary a couple of times because mm-hmm. because why not? That's that's where the rules come from, right? So I'm gonna say the definition of spectator interference. In every case of spectator interference with a batted or thrown ball, the ball shall be declared dead, and the base runners placed where the umpires determine they would have been without interference. When a spectator clearly prevents a fielder from catching a fly ball by reaching onto the field of play, the batter shall be ruled out. But mm-hmm. no interference call, no interference is called if a spectator comes into contact with a batted or thrown ball without reaching onto the field of play, even if a fielder might have caught the ball had the spectator not been there. I think this is a, a crucial piece of information that, that people don't realize. And two, two things. The call on the field was a home run. It was a Glaber-Torres home run. The guy who was going up for the catch was Alex Gordon. Perennial goal glover. I don't know how many times we had to hear about it. I get it. The guy's good. When he jumped for that ball, he was already a solid like two feet in the air at that point. And I, I, I made a, a quick little GIF video thing on Twitter, and I showed the trajectory of the ball. And, you know, everybody had seen these replays at nauseum, I'm sure. But you could clearly see that that ball is is uh, is going into the stands. There's no doubt about it, right? Like th- that's indisputable. It's going to be a home run. Um, the disputable part is whether the fan reached over and interfered with the play uh, of the the baseball and the fielder. And that's where that's where people that's where you lose me on, on certain things. One, the angles were not good. We saw every single angle. You couldn't definitively say because there was no nothing down the down the wall. Right. That's we need really the end zone. Angle. We need the end zone camera. Yeah. That's the only one you're going to get a, a clear, definitive thing. So when you look at the fan, the fan was reaching for the ball. He was reaching to his left. He may have gone out a little bit, but I'm not. I, I didn't see him break the plane. I did see Alex Gordon going at the wall, glove bent. Looked like he did break the plane. Looks like it. Or they might have both been right on it. It was damn close. The, the thing that, that gets me is when you see the replay, the ball was beyond his glove at one point and hit the fans, uh, the palm of his hand. And once it did that to me, 
at that point, it's dead because the fan has not made contact with the player yet. The ball made contact with the fan beyond the player's glove. In the fan's it, territory. The stands are in, the fan's zone. Yes. It was above the wall, wasn't below the wall. So whether he's reaching out or not reaching out is arbitrary because the angles were don't definitively tell you that. So, but but the ball hits him in the palm of the hand, which is the back of the hand, if anybody's wondering. And, and his hand was beyond the glove. So at that point, I don't know where you come off saying that he was going to catch the ball. The trajectory of the ball looked like it was going beyond the glove. So it was a big play in the moment, in the in the time of the game, because it was what two nothing. I think that happened, and that was two nothing. That was five nothing. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a prototypical it's a big ass swing three run Glaber Torres home run. Like that's what he does, and you know, and, and it was called back. So there, the egregious thing is like, okay, you get the call, and you call it interference. You better put that man on second base, and you better advance some runners. Right? The How do you assume that, call, that Gordon's going to catch that ball? I don't think that's a safe assumption at all. It's it's not even close to a safe assumption. It was it, it's in fact like you you start breaking down the uh, the mechanics of everything and, and looking at science, and science tells you that ball's beyond his glove. So I look, I, it, it was it was a bad call. Thankfully, they won the game. Glaber Torres um, just uh, got. Got a got a bad rap the last time, and and even as a last at bat, he got called out uh, on on uh, on, a, on a check swing that he did not swing, so he got screwed all day. It, I, I see. I don't. You read the rule, and I just don't understand. Then how how do they make that call? Because it's the same thing that happened with Mookie Betts in the playoffs last year against Houston. Is that Mookie clearly went into the stands and didn't catch the ball because the fan interfered because he was in the stands, and then they call it an out. When once the player goes into the stands, it's fair game. Whatever happens in those stands happens. That's that's you're right. then going yeah, into tweeted, the the zone of of the fans. So whatever, there's no rules there. Someone someone tweeted me. I thought it was funny. He's like he could block him with a tray of nachos, and it doesn't matter. Right. The, but but the thing is that's that's where the that's where the dispute the, uh, the dispute is. A lot of people think that he went over. Uh, what I'm saying is maybe he did, maybe he didn't. There's no evidence clear evidence so ruling on the field should stand right yeah so do you think that the all stadiums then if if knowing this is the rule and knowing how how some of the fences guys can jump over them like at yankee stadium like in houston don't you think there needs to be a railing like don't let the fans sit right on the wall then i know the the old yankee stadium had that after the jeffrey mayor thing they put in a railing it was like two three feet back so you really could not reach over the wall to catch anything because you couldn't reach it. Why did why do why doesn't the current stadium have that? Why don't stands why don't stands have that now if this is going to be the rule? Because I don't think it's that serious of a, of a of a problem. I mean, I think getting fans close to the game is a very good thing. Like I don't want to rail if I'm sitting on the front row and I get there and there's a freaking railing there, I'm going to be pissed. That sucks. That's not that's that's not what you want as a fan. Like you want to go and you want to be as close to the action as possible. That's the beauty about sitting in the first row. So I I would I would hate that. Um, that's why I think people don't like the net, even though it's a safety thing. This railing would be strictly so that fans don't interfere with home runs, yeah. which happen how often? Like no, I think that's that's an overreaction to me by the stadium. I think that you don't. I think you just. How about we just look at the rules and get the calls right? How about that? Well, I see. That's the problem. The rules are not. The rules are not being followed to how they're written. Well, they are. The problem is, is they can't. When you're looking at the different angles, and and for this particular case, there's just no clear. There's just no clear angle of of down down any wall or down a line, like you said, the end zone cam to see exactly where they are. Because 
the guy was definitely reaching over to the left. And a lot of people were pissed off at this guy for going, look, I, I am not mad. Personally, I am not mad at this fan. Like the guy's going after the ball. Not really. He's above the wall, pretty much out of play in his mind. And he's trying to catch a home run ball. That's you know, one of my like, favorite takes of fans is saying that you got to know the situation. You can't be reaching over. Yeah, please. Like, you don't know what you're going to do in the heat of the moment. How many times have we been calling for guys, like, as soon as they go into the stands to knock that goddamn glove off the, off the, uh, off the, uh, the, the opposing defender? There oh, have been yeah. a bunch of times when that's happened and you see the fans back up and everybody just gets on. Why? What are you doing? As soon as he goes into the stands, you need to get on him. Okay. Well, where's that? Where's the, in the stands, not in the stands, because when you're standing, you know, three feet above the, uh, above the, two feet above the fence and you're going for a ball and you're, I mean, if he reached over, it was not by much. So, and, and plus that means he's coming out to catch a ball, a, fl- a home run ball. He's coming, going to the ball that naturally that does not happen. Naturally you try to cradle a ball. You don't stick your hands out with no glove and, and like stab at a home run ball coming at you. It's not smart, first of all, and it's just not like human reaction. Usually you, you're, you're trying to like receive it and, and give it some cushion. So I don't know. I can, yeah, luckily, I can talk about this for a while, but you know, luckily it didn't hurt him. Though. They put up a nine spot. So that's the thing, man. Ball don't lie, right? Like people were saying that it's so true. Ball does not lie. Sports corrects itself. And that's, that's the ultimate truth. That's what, that's what, that's my very, that's the only verification I needed to know that that was good. That was a home run ball. <laughs> they should because retroactively put it back on the board. Yeah, give, as soon as labor that home run. That's right, because as soon as Talkman hit the ball out, and then immediately the next batter, um, LeMahieu, by the way, for his first home run of the season, thank you very much, just need 19 On more. for like six. Came, came out <laughs> and, and just smacked the ball over the fence. And when you do that, you're like, okay, that was definitely a home run now. Right. Gods have told us that was a home run. And then Sunday, oh, the tale of two games. Paxton looked great again, six-plus innings, struck out 12 batters, made some Yankees history by striking out 12 batters in consecutive games. And then a just complete and utter collapse in the bullpen with a 5 nothing lead. Chad Green comes in, loads the bases. Ottavino comes in, immediately gives up, um, gives up the double. lead. Double. And then, a, and then a, a, a solo home run for the, the Royals to take the lead. In a blink of an eye with no outs in the eighth inning, the Royals took the lead. What the hell? What the hell happened? It was so quick. So this is where we're. This is where the debate starts coming in about Boone and and the players and and what are you supposed to do when players don't play? And because a lot of people were like, "Oh, why are we going to Chad Green at a, with a five nothing lead against the Royals?" When are you going to go to him? What? When are you going to go to him? He's been a struggling reliever. He's if you're not going to use him right? in a five zip game, when the hell are you going to use him against the Royals, the offensive juggernaut Royals, who will bleed you to death? Look, this is this is exactly the situation where you can get him in there and, and try to get him. And and what happened? Like he didn't pitch as bad as his line looked because there was a blue pit over the over the down the right field line that you, you know probably could have been caught. Then there was a um, a walk. Got to stop the walks. The relievers and the walks on this team are getting out of out of hand. Uh, and then uh, you know a, a, a ground ball single. So you, he induced a ground ball, and uh, and then he's out of the game. So he. He didn't pitch horribly. He didn't pitch well by any means. I'm not giving him any any uh, you know reprieve from that. He didn't pitch well. Like he's got to come back and collect the film, collect himself. Larry Rothschild came out there and and was you know you could see that he was trying to like calm the situation down. Chad Green did look flustered, but 
you got to do better than that. Ottavino came up and just gave up meatballs right over the plate and and was tagged for not only the go-ahead home run, but the tying three-run home run by, to Alex Gordon, and then immediately the, the go-ahead home run, uh, not to mention the double and, and a walk sprinkled in there as well. So Ottavino looked terrible. Ottavino, uh, to me, that was the, the worst of the two. First really terrible outing of the season, though. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was not good. I mean, it was he's, atrocious. He's, he he's had a couple that are that are that he's he's wiggled himself out of. Couldn't wiggle yourself out of this one when you give up that five run lead and you're giving up bombs to the freaking Royals. It's no good. It's bad. But when you're looking at the bullpen so far, which has not been a strong suit of the team, which has been a real problem because with all the injuries, you figured the one thing we could count on was the bullpen. I know Batances isn't there, but everyone else is still there. Chapman, Britton, Ottavino, Holder, Green, Canley, Sessa. That should be a good enough bullpen to not blow games. I know the Yankees have one of the worst records in the lead in the league when they have a lead at one point in the game. That's it's unacceptable. That's not something we expected out of this team. And Holder and Green especially. I mean, look at Holder's appearances. His ERA is six and a half. He's given up at least one run in every appearance except one, and that came on April third. Every other appearance, he's given up multiple hits, multiple runs. It's been terrible. Yeah, it's Chad Green and Holder, man. I don't know what their deal is, but something's not right there. Something is, is certainly not right, and hopefully they can work themselves through it. But there's there's going to be a time when um, you're looking around and you're seeing who has options, who doesn't have options, and then who you can bring up because you can't have these guys going out there. And, you know, um, there are some some arms that are, that are going to be coming up during the season or that are going to be more healthy. Like we're waiting for Ben Heller to continue his rehab and, and, and you know, get – get back into game action like that's a guy to to circle later in the season i think that's such a huge um, question mark though i mean the dude is not pitched in forever no, no no there's no doubt but you're i'm just saying there are people down there um you know there uh there there are guys that domingo acevedo is another guy that i wouldn't be surprised if we saw at some point during the season um they there's just not that stranglehold for these two guys when they're uh, you can't rely on what you've done in the past when you're doing such a terrible job in the in the in the uh, present. And I think one of the one of the great examples though that we're seeing now in the bullpen for guys that are stepping up is Tommy Canley. Tommy Canley has you know pretty much had a lost season last year. It was a weird season. Like he was up and down and hurt and w- or not hurt. His velocity was down. He was drinking Red Bull. He was on a, a Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl hangover maybe. I don't know, playing too much, too many video games. I don't know what was happening with that guy, but he was not good. Acting like he's not hurt, but he was hurt. So there was a lot of things to unpack, I think, on Canley last year. Maybe he was just a mental case for a year and, and got back. Uh, but he's pitching really well. You know, this is, a, this is a guy that we expected. He came over in that trade, and we saw really good Tommy Canley who could pepper the strike zone and uh, be an effective pitcher. And I think we're getting back to a point where we're seeing him as a reliable guy in the bullpen. So his changeup's been really good. I think he's got to cut down on some of the walks, but he's been he's been uh, you know pretty pretty damn good. And I think kind of a question mark out of the pen, pitching uh, what two point eight four ERA so far in six and a third. Yeah, and he's actually been pretty good, but with inherited runners, um, he's been put into some bad spots, um, bad spots, some tough spots for a relief pitcher. That's his job to be put in bad spots. No, I know that, but Beholder's been put in those same spots and failed almost every time. The, well, see, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like, too. I don't blame done, Boone. Done his job. People getting on Boone for using Chad Green yesterday. Well, it's a, like we said, it's a clean inning, and you're trying to get a reliever going. He just didn't pitch well. Ottavino didn't tried to clean up the mess and couldn't. But for Canley, he's come in in tough spots and gotten the job done. Holder's coming in those tough spots because those both those relievers are always used in that fifth, sixth inning 
kind of time in the game where it's turning. The game is starting to turn. And Holder was so good in those situations last year. He was he went on that scoreless inning streak in April and May where it was like 20-something innings, not giving up any runs. And he just hasn't been able to find it so far this year. Yeah. And and you know, that's when you when you look back and you see that, you know, how good he was for a long stretch. That's the confidence that you see, and you're you're trying to like you know it's going to get back to that point at some at, at some point I guess I I just don't know how you go from from you know being that effective to being completely uh, completely ineffective. There's it's just such polar opposites. Yeah, Canley uh, about twenty six percent inherited runners have scored, which which is not bad. So how would you rank the uh, the bullpen depth chart right now if you were the manager? Who do you trust? And are we talking about like eighth inning spot and uh, or you know fire extinguisher spot? Yeah, I mean because Chapman's not coming out of the closer role, right? So it's right. tough to say that if you trust whoever, if you trust Tommy Canley the most right now, he's not going to the closer role. So that's it's a moot point. But yeah, yeah, I guess fireman role. Like, who do you feel comfortable coming in in a seventh, eighth inning? Got to get the job done right here. I mean, I still think number one, I. I, I I'm still leaning it out of Eno. I think still you're looking at the body from, from of, of work what we've seen this year so far. He's been nasty. I mean, yeah, he had a. T- I mean, like it's a really bad outing against the Royals. What he did, especially in a five nothing game, like that just can't happen from an effective guy. So I say this with some hesitation because it's just one of those like very unacceptable things that happened. Um, it's funny though because as soon as he does that, he he goes in and and you know once he gives up the lead, he goes in there and you know strikes a couple guys out and gets out of the inning. So it's uh. I think it, the problem with him is if you know he has some of these sliders that that look like frisbees. When they break over the plate, they break into bat into left-handed bats, mm-hmm. and that's when he gets into trouble. Uh, but he'd still be my number one, I guess, in in there. Um, and uh, I mean, I'm I'm still putting Britain number two. I I still don't think Britain has looked uh, to the form that he's you know going to show this year. But I don't think he's looked terrible either. I think we've seen a lot of ground balls that have seen you know the hole and and normally he's given up ground balls and and if they if they find the glove they find the glove if they don't they don't uh that's just one of those bad luck things too but um I, i'm still going out of you know then britain then at that point that's that's where you i think the the debate and and that's canely for me just because he's you know what have you done for me lately and and sessa so literally on the la- the last guys on there are holder and green um sessa really hasn't been put in a situation uh, that's a that's a high pressured situation. He's more of still the guy that's cleaning up messes or you know extending a starter uh, and playing that role. So we haven't seen him in that spot. But again, he's looked good. Confidence is at like Clint Frazier all time high, and uh, I like what he's doing. I agree with that ranking. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I was worried about Chapman in that tie game last uh, last yesterday afternoon in the ninth inning. I'm always worried about Chapman because there's an implosion around the corner at any time. But especially in those tie game scenarios, whatever it is, right? The old cliche that that closer at home in a tie game for some reason doesn't look like the same thing as when it's closer with a one run lead. Well, he looked. I mean, he gave up that the the base hit to Billy Hamilton, and that's just the problem because then you got him on the base paths. Um, but from there, he looked good. So yeah, he just he's just a nerve wracking closer. He's not Mariano Rivera who comes in and just you know ends the game quickly. You just know that nobody has a chance. Like Chapman could be erratic. So if he's erratic, then who the hell knows what's going to happen? That's right. that's the problem. But when he's Do on, you like to live dangerously. Dominant. Yeah, you, you were living dangerously when <laughs> when Chapman can't throw a strike because God knows where that ball is going to go. If you want a little thrill in your life, just go to Araldis Chapman. 
Mr. All-Time High himself, Clint Frazier, now leads the team in home runs with six, or tied for the lead in home runs with six, tied Sanchez, and RBIs with 17. The dude was not on the opening day roster. He's come up, and in the last week and a half, has just looked unstoppable. He's looked unstoppable ever since the the, the two dives that, you know, true. Should, yeah. maybe shouldn't have been dives that you know he took personally, because... We know if the one thing we've learned about Clint Frazier is he he doesn't like to be criticized. Like not that anybody likes to be criticized, but I think what with what what he does is he uses it as fuel and almost like turns it into like internal anger. <laughs> like I think I think he really gets angry and mad when that happens, and I think that's a good thing for him because he bottles it up and just just you know that's that's where the bat speed comes from. It's just anger. It's just like pure fast anger and frustration and like f you to everybody who ever said anything negative against me well he's obviously very hard on himself i mean he snapped the bat over his knee last night in the ninth inning when he when Eh. he struck out Eh. what i I think you're not a fan showmanship no i just think that was showmanship okay but he's it's not the first time he's done it no again i think it's 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 just a look at my biceps (laughs) i don't think he i don't think he was that he was mad like his first reaction you could see that he was mad but then he like walked away and then snapped the bat if he'd snapped the bat right afterwards if he did like a Bo Jackson snap, like immediately, like straight anger, then, you know, I, I like the fact that he snapped the bat. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, you know, it was, it was a little show, which is fine. My point is he wears his emotions on his sleeve. Yes, he does. He's an emotional guy. He's outwardly emotional. And I think he also, like you said, does not like criticism. And I think that comes with the age of the player and the public nature of the player. If he's criticized, I mean, he probably sees it. People criticize him on social media. He's going to well, see it. it. He sees it. Yeah, <laughs> he, he might not be a guy that can just put up the wall and say, I'm not worried about that. I'm focused on me. Aaron Judge can put up the wall, right? I don't know yeah, if Clint oh, Frazier no can put up the wall. That that Yankee wall, like that's that's the wall that they, they try to teach you in the Derek Jeter School of Media. But when, when Frazier's up there, he hears it. He doesn't put up the wall. He absorbs all of it, and he just internalizes it. And he gets angry and angry and, and then he works harder and then he and then he just uses it for that like you know for that chip on your shoulder. I think it actually motivates him to tell you the truth. Like I think all of the hate, I think at, at a certain level, he kind of likes it because he uses it and and just, you know, again, just is a big F you to everybody else. Everybody who's ever said anything bad about me, I'm gonna show you how wrong you are. And I, it and was I a question though that. for a while how it would go. I think right. I talked about this with JJ on one of the episodes he filled in for you. But we said once Frazier got optioned to AAA in spring training, we said, how does this go for him? Does he take this as motivation and say, I'm going to go tear up the league in AAA and make them call me up? Or am I going to sort of wilt? Like it was, I was not sure which way he was going to go. I mean, now obviously he's gotten the opportunity for injuries, but we didn't know the entire outfield was going to be decimated. Three, right. four weeks into the season. But we didn't know how it was going to go at that point in the season because he had a bad spring training. He was coming off the concussion uh, stuff. He got he got optioned to AAA with like over a week to go in the season. So how was it going to go? I thought I think that was a fair question at that point. And I, I mean, I think the, the, the bad spring training thing, one, I think it's overplayed because he's really literally just getting his feet back under him, uh, you know, going back and playing competitive ball again. And two, like towards the end of spring training, he was hitting the ball hard. It wasn't finding, you know, the the grass like it, like it has been recently, or the stands like it has been recently. But yeah, he was power. hitting the ball hard. So the um, I wasn't too worried about that. the The fact is, is that like the guy, and the other thing, like I, it probably would have been 
more in play if he, like you said, if the injuries didn't happen and he was down in spring or in Scranton for uh, an extended period of time, he'd probably still be down there, right? If Stanton and Judge don't go down, he'd still be down there, most likely, yeah. And then, and then you're seeing, you know, then how does it like if he's down there for a month or two months, like then how is it going to handle him? Because I think that's where that's where his frustrations could come into play, but. Uh, moot point doesn't matter he's up here and and he's not going anywhere because nope. they're gonna have to make things something work uh, oh you can't as you're being on this team I, you can't take that bat out of the lineup even when guys oh, come God, back no. you can't look when a, this man is talking when 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 Marakovic is asking him where is your confidence level and then he's <laughs> through the roof a babe straight face like little not even like a little smirk but not really much it's just all confidence it's not even cockiness the way he said it he you just actually gives a shit it. if it's cockiness who cares like we've but said this but, a thousand times is, it doesn't matter but the way he exudes it it's not that's the thing like it's 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 very easy to go from a very confident guy to look cocky but when he says that you could tell that he believes it <laughs> like that is just what he feels in that moment all-time high. My confidence, all-time high. The, the rest of the quote, I cut the, the clip, but the rest of the quote is actually great, too. It says, uh, he says, I mean, my, my confidence is high when I wake up, but, you know, and then, like, gives a reason about the team doing well and all these things. So, look, he's just a confident dude, and you can tell that really plays on the field because he's been mashing. And when he's, uh, you know, when he's up there and ready to hit and confident, like, that's when you see the, the, the natural abilities, the bat speed to come out. And just matches. I mean, he had an opportunity in the ninth inning, I think, yesterday, um, and almost put a put a you know a dent in that game and put another shot. Yeah, over he the left hooked field one pole. down the left field line, yeah, just yeah. a tad early. Right. So I know it annoys some people, though. It annoys some people. They call it cockiness, but you well, can't have you can't have twenty five. You can't have you can't have twenty five personalities like Aaron Judge. It's just not realistic. No, uh, you know, and, and I'm glad we don't because there needs to be some mix in that in that clubhouse. Like the fact that this guy is just, um, you know, at, at, again, all time high. It, we love the Aaron you know, Judge other mentality. players feed off of that. We love the Aaron Judge mentality, but I also love the Clint Frazier mentality. I think there's a balance for both on a team, and I think you actually need both on the team. The Yankees had Paul O'Neill in the dugout in the 90s. The dude smashing water coolers and, and pissed off because he went three for four instead of four for four. Like, there's a room for that. The biggest thing for me, the biggest thing for me is that you should just be yourself. If that's you, if if you're going to be a more outward, outwardly emotional guy, don't hold it back because you're on the New York Yankees. Just be yourself. If you are yourself, the rest of the stuff will take care of it. I don't want guys forcing themselves into these roles, but like that doesn't that doesn't work. That's not just because you know if there's a spot for something like that and the team's a little dull, like nobody should force themselves into that. But the way that this is playing out is guys are falling into their natural role and just being themselves. And that's how I went and think you can, you know, that's when baseball starts becoming fun for, for the entire clubhouse. So yeah. And he's getting, he's getting the spotlight now because of everyone on, on the IL. He showed his cannon. He threw out a guy at at, uh, home plate tagging up, which helped CC escape a jam on Friday. So he really did it all this weekend. Yeah, no, he's been, he's been phenomenal. And Gardner's showing the power too. five home runs. He's at five homers, and he only had 12 all of last year. Our three-spot hitter, baby. Right, third. That's got to be – Is it? that's the first time he hit third, right? Did they say that on the broadcast? Uh, you know, I didn't see that if it was the first – it would be very surprising if it wasn't the first time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there could have been a, a random spot where he did, but it's – I'm not talking about like pinch hitting or anything. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know if it, if it's if it was the first time, but I it doesn't matter. When he's in there batting third, I mean, obviously he's trying to get a little lefty righty thing going on. Uh, Gardner's been been you know stroking the ball with a home run. Maybe it was like a little thing on the dugout, like Gardy, we're putting you at three, and everybody's like just gets up for that. Like that's that's awesome because Gardy's at three and he's you know almost uh what is he five home runs, second on the team in home runs. Of course you're gonna put that guy at three. Well, his baseball reference page says he's played 23 games in the number three hole. Well, there you go. Nine starts. I do not remember those. Those must have been in the dark ages in like 2013. Either way, five home runs, plays. <laughs> you, plays uh, in the three spot. We starting to get back on the Gardner bandwagon. Got his average up to 227. He had he looked really bad. In the I thought we don't care about season. batting average. I'm, I get confused when we talk about batting average because I don't know if I'm supposed to comment. So batting on average matters if you're below 200. Batting average matters if, it, if, you, if you see a number that looks crooked. <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it can be a highway, then it's not good. Um, I, I mean, I still, I, I still think that he's a, a great nine-spot hitter. I mean, look, doesn't matter. The team is decimated well, for injuries. He can't be so a nine-spot hitter now. That's the thing. The conversation healthy, is totally... The conversation is, is, is dead because the, the, the entire team is dead. So, you know, he's, he's there playing really well. I don't care where he hits. And the judge oblique injury, this is bad because obliques are tricky, right? How, how do we know if it, how, the timetable on it is in question? They said it's a serious oblique injury. He's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. To me, this sniffs of like a two-month, maybe even more injury. If Aaron Judge came out of that game with a, you know, a low, uh, low risk, non-significant, just a, a little bit of a, a pull oblique injury, he would have been put on the IL and probably we wouldn't have seen him for about a month, I'd say. But I'd say like that was the bare minimum because they were going to be careful with it. And with a guy like that, if you are if you have any kind of disruption in that midsection area with the way that he swings, like you got to let it rest. It's got to get back to completely normal so that it can't be re-aggravated. So I think bare minimum anyway, no matter what, we were looking at about a month uh, of no Aaron Judge. And now that it's a serious injury, I, I mean, I have no idea. They're going to shut him down. There's with, no time. They didn't want to say weeks. anything because remember yeah, what happened not, last because year. Of, yeah, of course. So. No, I, I think we're probably looking, uh, yeah, uh, you know, after the All-Star break, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get him back. God, that's, it just sucks. It just sucks because we know how good he is. What do they do? I, I know a lot of it depends on when the hell Aaron Hicks and, and Giancarlo Stanton come back, but do they go outside of the organization for an outfielder? Because we don't want Shane Robinson again this year. We do not want another Shane Robinson situation. Talkman's been better recently. But you're still down your your top three outfielders right now. I mean, Talkman is the Shane, Rob Shane Robinson this year, so he's just playing a lot better than Shane Robinson. He's a better ball player than Shane Robinson. Well, no, I mean, you don't want, defense. but they're going to need somebody else. I know they called up uh, Tario Estrada yesterday, but they're going to they're going to need another body in the outfield to to replace Judge. I mean, they they're gonna they're gonna use Talkman for a while. They're they're going to uh, Tyler Wade can fill in in the outfield if they need as well. Um, Estrada can play, you know, multiple infield positions, so they could use Wade more in the outfield if they needed to. I, I think they're gonna they're gonna go because there's really not a not a lot of ton, uh, great options down there. Like McBroom can play first and and a little bit of right field. He's the guy that can that can fill in out there too. Um, I, I don't know what you're. Do they go outside the, the organization? Market. Free agents? I, you know, Jose? Batista. I don't think so. I don't think so. With this Batista. Right, so no. here are the options: Jose Batista, Austin Jackson, and Denard Span are all free agents right now. 
No, I don't want any one of those players. I don't want any one of those players. No, I do not want them. I do would they much look rather... at the trade market, though? Because what if they in they reevaluate Judge in two weeks and they're like, uh, crap, this might be late summer. I don't think I don't think Judge is the um, is the reason they would go out there. I think it's it's getting these other guys back. It's what's the deal with Hicks? Is he going to be? What is the on the show? What is the deal with Hicks? We have no because idea what the deal is with. This Hicks, was day to day on March first, and it's yeah. now April twenty second, and he's that's, still that's like the thing. Barely that's doing the thing baseball about activities. these injuries. Yeah, when you get like an oblique or a back strain or any one of these things, they can linger for a long time. That's what's so concerning about Judge for for as far as timetable. You just don't know. You have to see how it it, it reacts, how that how your body reacts to it. Um, but that's I think the biggest thing right now is we need to find out where Hicks is and when Stanton's coming back. Stanton is seems seemingly around the corner. So you're adding some outfield spots at that point. And and you know, Talkman has been pretty good. I mean, he plays a a, a good defense. He's been you know, hitting the ball out three home runs already this year. Yeah, how, what's his, the number you bet on? Ten. <laughs> that was before he get the playing too. time. It's going to be damn so close. Yeah, he I'm might probably going to lose his. Bet. He might just stumble his way into ten homers. Yeah. So if you guys, if you're not in the Facebook group, I made a uh, another stupid bet with um, because That's I'm really going to make That's the dumb bets. Thing. I look, I do it. I, I you know, this is an entertainment value. I'm just going to make the bets. Okay, uh-huh. the the bets, <laughs> and, and we'll see what happens. But this one is with um, Carl Rayford. He, you know, he you the, could also fire back on the terms. You don't just have to blindly agree to the terms. I did. I made the terms this time. He wanted me to wear a sunny gray jersey with a name on the back. I said, that doesn't exist. I will never do that. I wouldn't wipe my ass with that jersey. And if, uh, if there's no name, then it's just a Matsui jersey or a Domingo Herman jersey. So there's really no such thing as a sunny gray jersey. It never existed. It doesn't exist. It will never exist. So, um, so yeah, we're going to – the terms are if he, if he hits 10 – if he hits over 10 home runs, because I'm pretty sure that's what it was, then I have to shotgun a beer, declare Sonny Gray as my daddy on live Periscope on the Bronx Pinstripes account at a Bronx Pinstripes event. Beautiful. The, Can't wait for that the other to side of it. So yeah. it'll probably happen at like the July one, because I think that'll... That, talk it's probably, yeah, at his, this point? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Judge, so here, here, let me run down the inju- injuries. Judge Oblique, Stanton Biceps, Hicks Back, Severino Shoulder, Lat, Patanza Shoulder, Andujar Shoulder, Tulowitzki Calf, Sanchez calf, bird foot, Ellsbury everything, Didi, Tommy John, Montgomery, Tommy John. Do they have to look at their medical staff and question what the hell are we doing here? Can, for a team that prides itself on details and they have A to Z covered with sleep coaches and media training and analytics departments bigger than any other analytics department in the league and multiple scouting departments. There's a headquarters in Tampa. There's a headquarters in the Dominican. There's a headquarters in New York. Do they have to say, what are we doing here with this? How are this many players getting injured? The only, the only two injuries that I'm looking at that are like, you know, concerning and how and why they happened are, are, are the Severino and Batantis injuries. The other ones to me are, you know, freakish in, in a way that, no, I, I don't blame the staff by any means, the medical staff. Like there's some role in what these guys do, but when you're, when you're in the off season and these guys are working out on their own and we're working out with their own trainers, like you can't, you can't be there all the time with these guys. So I, I don't really know what people want them to do all the time. They're going to be in contact with them, but they have to rely on the player to give them as much information as possible because you can't have somebody there for every single player. You just can't. Um, Severino in the shoulder and the lat and Batantis with the shoulder. Like those are the two concerning ones for me because those are seemingly conditioning issues. Like that, 
like you weren't built up the right way or you went too hard or didn't go hard enough or whatever it is. The rest of them, like the oblique strain from judge. No, that he, he you know, that's a freak injury. Um, the Hicks back thing. When we say back, it's, it's the lower back, which is connected to the lat, which is, it's all soft in any of the soft tissue in your back and chest. And in that area, that's a problem for Hicks. So I don't know what you do about that. Stop playing golf. Maybe, maybe we, we limit the motions. Stop playing golf. That could be a thing. Like obviously golf didn't help Cespedes career out either. So maybe when you're playing baseball and you're getting paid a lot of money for the New York Yankees, don't play golf. Can we just, send Hicks just a suggestion? Can we send Hicks to Tiger's back guy? What's Tiger's back guy? Like the guy oh, Tiger's who fixed back Tiger's guy. back. Oh yeah, yeah. That, he did. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if that would if those would be in the in the rules of Major League Baseball. To tell you the truth, um, but some weird fusions going on there. But that's the, the thing. Like Tiger back. Woods, Tiger Woods had a back problem, like a spinal or well, multiple problem. back problems. Right, but Hicks as it's the muscle around the back. It's like it's all this soft tissue. It's all this muscle back there. That's his issue. It's a it's a weird thing. Um, it's just weird that he. When this happened, he was like, oh, I'll be back for the second series of the year. And here we are in late April, and he's still barely getting it's on the field they for linger. baseball they, activities. Yeah, they linger. And, and that's the problem with those types of injuries. So, no, I'm not, I'm not putting any – I'm not looking at the, the medical staff. Uh, I'm just not. It's, you know, it's such an easy way. It's such an easy out at this point. You know, there are multiple people looking at him. So if you're telling me that, then you're saying like there's an entire crew of people that are inept. And I just can't believe that. Yeah. Well, before we uh, give a couple more injury updates, I want to tell you guys about Robinhood. It is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't cha- charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right movements to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. You can sign up at bronx.robinhood.com. Again, that's bronx.robinhood.com. So Sanchez is expected to be back hopefully on Wednesday in Anaheim. That's good news. And Andujar threw at half intensity, so he's still taking a little easy, threw third base to first base and said his shoulder felt good. That's a really good sign. I mean, if he's, if again, they talked, they talked about this small tear in the labrum. I don't, we're not doctors, so I don't know how that, how that really plays out as far as, you know, the, the scope and, and what it does on, uh, on, you know, no surgery or surgery or how that plays. I guess all we're looking at is, is how he feels and, and what the strength is in that shoulder. And seemingly, um, you know, he's responding well and everything he's saying that it's, it's, it's becoming, uh, a lot better, and he's able to do the things he's able to, that he's normally supposed to do. So, um, getting Andujar back is a positive. There's no doubt about it. Like the guy is a significant bat in this lineup, and can play a significant role in on this team. So, uh, I think that's all good news. And I, we might I mean, get people, him back. People as should a not DH be role. arguing about, but people should not be arguing about like the severity and surgery or not. Like, just who cares? Don't worry about it. Just let him. If he's, what do you if mean? he's, why? 
because if he's because if he's able to do the things that he's normally able to do, then obviously his body and the labrum and his shoulder are responding appropriately. So okay, why why wouldn't he come back? Here's the thing. Hoke, Tanaka, that's it. Brian, no, 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 I wasn't even going to bring up Tanaka. Brian Hoke and I talked about this a couple episodes ago when he brought up this, oh, why don't the Yankees DH and Duhar maybe play him at first base if they can just get his bat in the lineup if he can't throw from third base? If he can't throw from third base, if they don't feel confident in him throwing from third base, that means the shoulder is not 100% right. right. So I understand if you can get his bat in the lineup, that's good. But aren't you then risking still needing surgery and instead of doing it now in April and having him be ready for 2020, you do it in late 2019 and he's not ready for 2020? Well, I, but you just said a very distinguishable part of that. If he's not able to throw from third base, he's still hurt. But that's what we're talking about here. Hoke tweeted this out, and he also brought it up, and some other beat reporters have tweeted it out that said the Yankees are discussing the idea of using Anduar at DH if it turns out he can't play third base. So if he can't play third base, that means he's not 100% healthy. Yeah. If he's not 100% healthy, that means he might need surgery down the road, and you're risking 2020 in that case. I understand he could really help you out offensively this year, but is that worth the risk? Well, that's not where I am. So when, I, when I'm saying that you know him not us not really worrying as much about the injury is is a is more to the fact that he's making those throws at half from third base and if he's able to make those throws and he, and he feels good and they maybe they're just not they don't want to put him out there all the time and they just want to get him some some other spots at DH and first base like that's where I'm okay if you're saying that he cannot play third base because of the injury then I don't think you should bring him back I think you should take care of the player and make sure that he's he's healthy and and if if he's not throwing and he's not able to throw and it's because of that torn labrum and there's going to be surgery happening you should get the surgery so I agree I I don't I'm not I'm, I don't want to be halfway in or halfway out my my where I'm coming from is is more the Tanaka side where you're not getting surgery and you still feel good and you can make all the throws. Like, cause that's what happened with Tanaka where everybody's like, get the surgery. He's one pitch away from surgery, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, look, I'm not, I'm not caring about that right now because what I see in front of me is a guy who is healthy and confident. And I'm not thinking about that surgery because it's not in his mind. So that's where I am. Like if he could get to a point where he's feels good and making those throws and you know, internally in his head, it's a non-issue and he, he feels good and the strength is there then it's a non-issue for me too. Yeah, that's uh, I'm with you on that. Um, Yankees going out to the West Coast uh, for in Anaheim. It's a nine-game road trip, and they don't have an off day until next Monday. So it's it's definitely survive mode. And when you look at the the pitchers coming up in this series, Hap, Herman, and then most likely Sabathia and Tanaka, the Yankees are in a, in a stretch here where the starter is going to need to carry this team. We didn't think that was going to be a case at any point in the season. We thought the starters are going to be better than last year, but they're still just getting it to the bullpen and letting the offense do its thing. We're in a situation now where the starters need to step up. I mean, it's it's pretty much all hands on deck at this point. Like literally we cannot have many areas that are, are not a strength because there is such the depletion of talent on this team at this point that everybody has to step up. And and when you're looking at the starters, like they've they've been pretty good. I mean, even in this even in this last home stretch, they've you know they've come out and and uh, and and pitched well. Like we're not seeing bad bad starts from these guys. Yeah, they're not getting the depth. But I mean, do we expect anybody to get depth anymore? 
it's just it's just not a thing. I mean, like Herman, we actually have gotten some decent depth. Herman uh, was six innings and three runs. Like that's a that's quote a quality start, right? Mm. That's that's one of those that. those things. And from Holland to do it, Sabathia five innings, no runs. Tanaka seven innings, one earned run. Paxton six innings, zero runs, twelve strikeouts. So. Like we're looking at these guys and against the Royals, they were effective. They did well. So it's more of a continuation of this. Let's just, you know, limit the damage, get as deep as you can, and hope to God that this, you know, bullpen of talented guys figures it out. Yeah. You excited for Matt Harvey and his nine point six four ERA tonight? Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I think I think <laughs> that It'll be interesting, you know, them coming. It's a perfect situation for him, right? Depleted roster, East Coast to West Coast, uh, went into extra innings. So it lines up for Matt Harvey. Let's see if he can take advantage of it. So the Angels suck. They're below 500. But Mike Trout has a 524 on base percentage. Is that good? (laughs) It's just, he's ridiculous. He is their team. He's their entire team. He does every night he's trying to win the game single-handedly, and he can't because the team blows. But five, I looked at that. I was, I was like speechless. 524. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah, no, that's the guy that, you know, if you're, any, if you're looking at anybody to earn their money, like this kid is, is, is earning his, his dollars. It's like, so, yeah, I'll sign a $400 million contract and get better. Yeah. All right. I mean, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. There's no doubt about it. Like part of me is excited to, to play them so that we can see Mike Trout play again because that, that's a guy that we just don't get to see that often. And if you're a baseball fan... That's fun to watch, um, but at the same time, like I don't want to see him up at any situation that's with anybody on base. <laughs> like, give me Mike Trout with nobody on base every time, please. And walk him. That's why Fine. his on base percentage is over five hundred. Let's talk about the Logan Morrison signing. So this one, this one, uh, uh, <laughs> this one got Yankees Twitter a buzz. So he signed a minor league deal with an opt out date of July first if he doesn't make the major league roster, and if he does make it, he'll get a one million dollar bonus um so obviously the whole logan morrison gary sanchez 2017 home run derby stuff morrison then was quoted as saying you can't fix stupid i believe it was in reference to yankees fans but there's been some backtracking on morrison and his camp saying no he was not talking about yankees fans he was talking about the home run derby selection process being stupid whatever it was there was a lot of uh controversy between those two players was he back, the backtrack? Was that recent backtrack, like after he got signed with the Yankees, or was this so, was that backtrack that happened before? No, no, no. It was backtrack that happened last year. So the the incident happened in 2017, and then in 2018 he visited Yankee Stadium and was getting booed mercifully and getting a lot of uh, trash talk, and then he was quoted after the game as "You can't fix stupid," and then right. stories spiraled out of control on him, and then he backtracked and said, "No, no, no. I was talking about." I was talking about the home run derby being stupid. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I remember the comments. I don't remember the the retraction, probably because I didn't want to hear it, the um, or believe it at all. I, it's just you know, it's just weird. It's just it's just a little awkward seeing Logan Morrison sign with the Yankees. Do I, I don't think he'll, he'll see the light of day. Like I don't think he'll be on this team, um, unless it's you know something very very team friendly. But again, this is this is similar to what we saw with you know we're now seeing. Uh, Gio Gonzalez about to opt out. Like a lot of these opt out, these minor league deals with with MLB veterans are are insurance policies in case something goes awry. If uh, you know, if Luke Voigt were to go down injured, something like that, like that's when you'd see um, Logan Morrison come up because he can play defense. And at that point, when you're looking for your third first baseman, like what else are you looking for? You're looking for a guy who could pick the ball. 
I smell a conspiracy here. So Greg Bird goes on the DL on the IL with another injury. How do you get Yankees fans to get back on Greg Bird's side? Sign Logan Morrison. Yeah, I mean, I like I like the the theory there. I like the concept. The problem is is that Greg Bird has to be healthy for us to actually like him, and he still has to be relevant. But the Greg productive. Bird hate immediately stopped once <laughs> once people saw the name Logan Morrison. Yeah, I, I mean, if the Yankees are concerned about that, that means they have Greg Bird in their plans for the future, and I just don't. <laughs> and think you that's don't the think case. so? Yeah. <laughs> no. Gary Sanchez also they, downplayed it. Gary Sanchez said it's a long time ago. Now we're teammates. Got to put it behind us, basically. Yeah, and Gary's going to do that because Gary's the, the, the guy who looks good in this whole situation. <laughs> like, Logan Morrison is the one who looks like an asshole, and, and Gary Sanchez uh, did nothing but mash, and that's the reason he was, you know, he got, and he, he got involved with this. It was just him pro- being productive <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and getting into a, a derby. But that's a guy, like, you're looking at a guy, that if, we're, if we're looking for other people to step up, I, I just have this, this burning... This 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 uh this this thing in my gut that says Gary Sanchez is coming back on the West Coast and going to go on a tear. Well, he, looked he wasn't great. happy. He wasn't happy for being on the DL or the IL in the first place. Wants to prove that he's healthy. Gonna mash. He was uh had six home runs. He was leading the team in home runs when he went on the IL. He was starting to look very comfortable at the plate. I remember O'Neill on the broadcast talking about the balance in his swing. Early yep. in the season, he was pulling off everything. He hit a couple balls up the middle, a couple balls to right field on the uh, on the Houston road trip. So you could kind of tell, like, Gary Sanchez was getting his groove back. And then, boom, on the IL. Hopefully, he doesn't have to re, re-get his groove back, right? Like, this, that's that was a real big disapp- disappointment. And, and I actually thought he fought to stay on the roster. He said, no, 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 I can, I can stay on the roster. But at that point, they weren't taking any chances. Yeah, and it's hard to blame them because of the amount of injuries that have piled up. So you, you got to make sure that nothing spirals out of control, especially with such a you know key piece with him. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I I tweeted out a picture of a beer that I had on uh, on Saturday night too. It was very random. It was a like a mixed twelve pack of Red Hook IPAs. I hadn't seen it. I wanted to try them, and no other reason. I just bought it and dr- went home and started drinking uh, one of the beers. And I, I looked at it again. And it was a bi-coastal IPA, which means it's got a little bit, of, a little bit of New England, a little bit of uh, West Coast hoppage, and there was a Kraken on the front of it. I was like, Ooh. "Oh, okay." Now, now we got the bi-coastal East Coast, the West Coast. They're about to go to Anaheim to pl- or to play. This is a West Coast brewery. I like this. This is. I, I feel like all of these things are are a sign and an omen that Gary Sanchez is going to come back and uh, and mash on the West Coast. So I felt like my beer, my uh, my alcohol problem. Went to a a good place with an omen for the New York Yankees, and they're in Anaheim this week. You remember that series in Anaheim last year? It was like it was Didi gets the road curtain call. I mean, it was ninety percent Yankee fans in Anaheim. Yeah, no, it's great. There's a huge Yankees contingent down there, and hopefully they invade the stadium again and make it very loud. If you need tickets for that series or anything else, make sure to check out SeatGeek. For a long time, buying tickets has been really difficult and annoying with a few big companies who don't really care about the customer. SeatGeek is a ticket company where customers come first. With more than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store, SeatGeek is focused on making your experience as easy as possible. SeatGeek pulls in millions of tickets from all over the web, rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and displays them in an interactive seat map. So it's simple to find what you're looking for. Green dots are good deals and red dots are overpriced. Scott, I know we've said this before. That is the best part about SeatGeek is it's easy to use the app. I select those green dots immediately and you know, green dot, you're getting a good deal. Boom. I love that. 
No, absolutely. And, and our, our guy, Frank, who does some writing on Bronx pinstripes, hopefully he's going to do more writing on Bronx pinstripes because he has a very good grasp of the analytics as well. Just uh, was telling us how he used the promo code on the West Coast when he was out there for work and got to see Mike Trout live and in person. So he took advantage of that SeatGeek app on his phone because it is by far the easiest way to shop for tickets. Uh, I've used it in the past for, for different games, for concerts. So it's been my go-to on my phone. Best of all, the listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek supports our show, so we hope that you guys will support them and get that $10 off for your first for your first buy on the app. Use promo code BRONX for $10 off your very first purchase. You can do that for concerts, sports, comedy, whatever you want. Remember, promo code BRONX gets you $10 off your first purchase. And don't forget, guys, George's Box, their next episode comes out on Wednesday. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to that. Just search George's Box in iTunes. Um, those guys are now on episode six, so go check it out. Our May 31st event against the Red Sox, the next time the Yankees will play the Red Sox, is in the Bronx, uh, end of May. That's a Friday night game. 96 bucks gets you the pregame party, a t-shirt, section 205, which you get a beer and a hot dog in the game. That is going to be a sold-out crowd. It's going to be – the summer is going to be underway. That's after Memorial Day. I think the Yankees and the Red Sox are, are going to be healthier. They're going to be better at that point. They're going to be competing still for the AL East, um, you know, top of the AL East. So do not miss out on those tickets. Right now, if you try and go buy them uh, elsewhere, they're going to be more expensive. 96 bucks is the way to go uh, at our event. As well as if you guys are in any other city around the country, make sure to join the BP Crew Facebook group and, and link up with a chapter. I know our first mailbag is from the BP crew, Salt Lake City. You ready to get into it, Scott? Yeah, but one more quick thing on the on the events. The um, That game, last year we sold over 300 tickets to the, the Red Sox game. This is a Friday night game, so make sure you get in and get your your uh, your crew together and join the, the BP crew. And then also we have our very first invasion at a visitor's ballpark. This is an organized bought tickets. We have 200 tickets ready to roll for Tampa, July 6th. So if you're looking for a, a fun little vacation, 4th of July in Tampa, sounds like fun. We're going to be doing this in St. Pete and taking over the, the trap. Like I said, we're going to rip it down one speaker at a time. We are positioned right in front of, right next to the Yankees bullpen down the left field line. Um, and we have pretty much the entire section. So uh, we're making those tickets really cheap too. They're they're going to be because it's Tampa too. And we got a good deal on them, but they're going to be uh, I think sixty nine bucks for the ticket. Uh, we're doing a pregame. We're going to do a t shirt, our normal event thing. Um, but this is going to be a large section of Yankee fans at the Trop. That sounds like fun. We're going to be loud. You'll be able to hear us. You'll be able to see us. The Tampa Bay Rays, the Devil Rays players will hear us. They will see us. It will be fun. So um, plan something around that. It's going to be a blast again, July sixth for for that event. The Rays aren't going to know what hit them. They're going to be like, holy shit, 200 people in the stadium today? Wow. I know. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Concessions are going to be off the charts. We should ask for a raise. All right, let's do it. So like I said, BP Crew Salt Lake City, they send in a mailbag. Once Hicks and Stanton return, are the Yankees going to carry five outfielders on their roster? No way they send Frazier down with the hot streak he's been on, right? It was reported that there's a possibility that Induhar returns at first base or DH. Assuming he'd play more DH than first, if that was the case... Uh, that could complicate some things. And Duar at DH would force Stanton into left field and send both Frazier and Gardner to the bench every day. Would the Yankees want to carry two outfielders on their bench every day? I doubt it. So if Andujar returns at first, 
uh, slash DH, it might send uh, right might result in Clint being sent back to AAA, and Yankees fans would riot. So every you know, like one of the big misconceptions about baseball today, and especially the Yankees team, is talking about a bench player every day and, and a guy that's just a, a bench a role player like that. On this roster, it almost just doesn't even really exist. I mean, it's there's so much you know flexibility and and the the lineup is so fluid that these guys play a lot more often than they used to as far as just like a bench guy. Um, Tyler Wade's probably the guy that is, you know, one of last on the bench, at, you know, at, at that point when you're looking at, you know, where they're going to play. But he's such a flexible player that I think helps out this situation because because Tyler Wade can play defense in the outfield and in the infield. Again, like this is something that I was harping on in spring training. Like he's a he's a guy that adds flexibility to this team. And when you have this many injuries and you're looking for some roster flexibility, he's a great guy that that can do that. Talkman, another guy who could play defense in every outfield position. So I, I feel like defensively in the outfield, you're in a good spot when these guys come back. Even if Andujar is to come over and play some DH, you're not going to see him there every single day. There's going to be some rotation. You're going to see Stanton get into that DH spot. You'd see then you'd see uh, you know guys floating out into the outfield. And again, because Tyler Wade can play some outfield, I think it does help them out and give some flexibility to kind of you know get through uh, get through these times. I am also realizing this was written before the judge injury. Yes, that <laughs> so, is true too. So it's it, assuming it's kind of funny when you try and figure trying to figure out the roster and you're like, okay, there will be a certain point in the season where everyone's healthy. Certainly, all 25 men that they planned on having will be healthy at the same time. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Well, I mean, that's the thing. When you start going down these roads and these rabbit holes of like, who's going to play what, when, what's going to happen with a log jam? Well, it just kind of figures itself out. I mean, you know, right before this, we're talking about, you know, when this was written, when these guys sent this out, it was before Judge got injured. Then Judge got injured. Now everything's changed. So you, you just can't, you can't have too many quality players at, at a position. And when you see a guy mashing like Frazier, like it's just going to figure itself out. They're going to play him because you can't not. And, and it'll be fine. Like they will figure it out. They're not going to send a scorching hot bat down to triple a when, when there are, you know, there's this much uncertainty in a lineup, even if a guy like Andy Hart comes back and is playing, cause he's going to be playing a very different role. So to me, even that, if he is doing this DH thing or he's playing a little bit of third, but some DH, some first base, whatever he's doing, like there's a lot of uncertainty there. So you can't, just get rid of a guy who's been productive. It doesn't make any sense. I know we already mentioned this, but I just have a hard time believing the Yankees are going to actually bring in Duhar back for just a DH role. It does not seem like them. They are always extra careful when it comes to injuries or surgeries or anything like that. I just don't see it happening. No, it sounds like a panic move, and the Yankees don't if this do were like panic moves with injuries. So if this were September... And that's he was different. just coming back for DH in the in the September October run. That's a different story. But we're talking about April or May here. Makes no sense. Yeah. No, right. I I agree. Uh, you you make sure the player's right. Yeah. Dan Moynihan. Hey guys, just wondering on your thoughts of the Yankees signing Dallas Keuchel. I feel as though he would be a great pickup for us. But I am also intrigued by Gio Gonzalez. I feel he could be a great presence in the clubhouse for young pitchers like Herman at cheap cost. So Gonzalez did opt out on 420 and the Yankees have 48 hours to add him to the active roster or he becomes a free agent. I know the Mets with the, the DeGrom uh, injury and their pitching staff being kind of in shambles. Surprisingly, they have some interest in him. Um, but Gonzalez has been okay. He, he's rebounded after that first bad start. And there's been stories about how he's kind of been the veteran guy in the Scranton clubhouse, right? He brought in shoes. He brought in an arcade. He kind of did a bunch of things for those young guys. 
Yeah, that's fine. I mean, we're talking about presence in the clubhouse. Like, uh, you know, I'm not buying any of that crap. <laughs> You're turning to Gio Gonzalez. I think we got a problem. Yeah, I mean, like the the presence is fine. Like they're good. They have enough veteran leadership in the in the in the in the bullpen and in the clubhouse. Like they're fine there. We don't need that. We need a guy that's productive and can and can play baseball. Um, the so again, this is the exact situation that we kind of painted early when they signed Gio. When you're looking at what the situation is with him, you have to see what the situation is on the big league level. Did Domingo Haman come out and pitch well? Is CC coming back? What's the deal with you know the rest of the guys? Like, what's the current situation? And when you're looking at the current situation, you have five starters right now who are out there and pitching well. Herman is now the, the 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 fifth starter and is effective and is pitching well. So why would you bring up Gonzalez? Pay him that um, that uh, you know immediate three million dollars and then three hundred thousand dollars per start. It just it doesn't it doesn't work out with you'd the line. Be at, with the, you'd be um, hoping Gio Gonzalez gives you what Herman has given you so far. Yeah, but then you're also not having Herman in the same spot. No, no, so I'm saying you, I agree with you. So it makes here? no sense. You're already getting yeah. the production you'd be hoping to get out of Gio Gonzalez, <laughs> but you have it for cheap costs and a young pitcher that you have right. been developing. So continue and, and to develop it, him. Does it hurt your depth? Yeah, but that was an, an that was a known quantity. Like you know that your depth is temporary if you're counting on Gio Gonzalez is that because there was a an opt out date and that opt out date would, there was a very very real and probably higher percentage chance of him opting out and showing the league that he's still effective and healthy and ready to go. Um, it was really just he used you know, the him. Yankees to audition and that's fine. I mean that's it was of the it deal. was again it was an insurance policy. If someone yeah. if Herman didn't pitch well or if CC couldn't come back or, or, you know, wasn't effective when he came back. Like that's when they would have probably activated that, that contract and Gio Gonzalez would have been up, but that's just not the case. So once we release him, will something happen? Probably <laughs> like we'll probably need him in two weeks when we don't have him. That's just how things are, but it does affect your depth. But what they'll probably do is look around and probably sign another guy to a minor league deal and yeah. do the same thing. That's just, that's, that's what, just like they did with Logan Morrison, they'll look around and see who the better option is that they can sign on a minor league deal and have another opt-out a little bit further out as an insurance policy, and I would expect a move like that. And I don't expect it to be Dallas Keuchel. How, no. many, how long are we going to talk about Dallas Keuchel? Do you think yeah. he signs anywhere this year, or do you think he just sits the whole year out? I mean, I, I think it's really dumb if he sits the entire year out. I think that we could probably, if he doesn't sign anytime soon, it's, it, it would be like a, a trade deadline thing where he comes out afterwards and picks a team that he could be effective and, and help and try to win a World Series. Probably would not surprise me if he went back to Houston. I still think Houston's like the spot that he's going to go back to eventually. On a one-year or a multi-year deal? Because I've been trying to figure out, does he have more or less leverage right now? He's already agreed to sit out. He season. certainly has way less leverage. Less See, I think, no I think at this point he I think at this point he might have more leverage because if if a team comes to him, he says, Listen, guys, I'm already sitting out. I've already agreed to do this. I have nothing to lose at this point. You give me what I what I want, or I'm not pitching. But he does have something to lose. That's that's where that's where you're wrong. Because if you were to sign a one year deal, all that money is guaranteed. So that's money lost if, if money he doesn't lost, sign that one year deal. But so that's that's a lot for, to lose. And as a pitcher, what you're looking for, like th- these guys have what uh, a very finite amount of time on. You lose a year as a pitcher, that's a big deal. He's Most not pitching. Guys don't come back from that. He's not pitching. Father time is still working. Okay, but it doesn't work as quickly when you're not pitching. I, I don't know what he's doing. It, maybe his body's deteriorating because he's sitting on the couch eating popcorn. I don't know what he's doing. There's a lot of things that could come into play. He could he could be on the farm. You, you know, imagine popcorn with that beard. Yeah, that would be. Uh, you'd have popcorn <laughs> for days, weeks, possibly. Leftovers. <laughs> 
the um, so I, I don't know. I think his leverage is is gone at this point, and basically he's he should find a situation. Like, I don't care what he does. So I'm not. He should do whatever he's he not going to sign. Do, him. The Yankees are not going to sign him. So uh, Dan, no. appreciate the question. We used it to talk about Gio Gonzalez, but can this be the last Dallas Keuchel question we take all year? The only the only possible scenario I could see where the New York Yankees sign Dallas Keuchel is if he has such bad relationship with the Astros they don't budge on anything can't get back there and the Yankees need a starter after the deadline down the stretch to beat the Astros and Dallas Keuchel is like f you Astros you guys are going to pay for this and uh, I'm going to sign with the Yankees and shut you down that's the only scenario I could see it's such a risky move a, that's, to that's, use that's him like as a, a trade deadline acquisition though because he again has to ramp up he's got a you have to almost plan for that in like early June, right? Because he's not going well, no, to sign him he, on July 31st and have him start on August 5th. But that's the thing that, that is, no, but I, I think that's what he can do. That he, it's his job right now to get his body right and keep it right so that he's ready at any point. That's exactly what he needs what to do Dallas rehab did. games. He needs to pitch against real competition. He's going to have to do triple a starts. He may, he might need one, maybe two, but Gio Gonzalez was ready to go. He was stretched out, ready to go. So we saw one bad start and then he came back and made another start and he was good. So I don't think it's going to take much unless he doesn't keep his body in the right, in the right, uh, you know, position for him to go come out and, and play. He knows the situation now he's going to be needed at, at a, on a whim. Like you can't take another month to get ready. Like you better be ready. See, I think it's a lot more likely that Kimbrell gets signed as a mid season acquisition than Keuchel. Yeah. I mean, either way, I, I think there's not by the, I'm not saying by the Yankees. I'm saying in general by a team. They're both in the same situation. They both want long, long-term money. They're not getting it. It's all about if they're going to sign that one-year deal or if a team caves. That's it. But it's a lot easier for a relief pitcher to just ramp up quickly and be ready to go. I guess. I mean, he was an effective, very effective guy. So to be that effective, I would argue that you're still going to have to do the things that you did to get you to that point before. So. All right, let's wrap it up. We got a, uh, a fun fun little uh, game here. So Matt LaCava in our Facebook group said, if there were an Aaron Boone press conference bingo game, what phrases, words, and noises would you uh, would the card include? A few suggestions are a good matchup, impact the ball, control the, control the strike zone, and... <clears throat> Clears the throat. Yeah. In, in parentheses. That's yeah. the, that would be the caption on that if we did subtitles. Because you notice how he... <clears throat> In sentences, we'll just <clears throat> before he says anything. Yeah, it's it's the same thing Aaron Judge does. Only he doesn't make a noise. He just looks intensely just at something, stares daggers through your soul, just waits. Yeah. So this is all part of the uh, stall tactics. You know, like every kid in the world uses it. They repeat the question back to you because they're thinking of the answer. He clears his throat. Well, so I there's... think Clint Frazier is in a really good place right now, and I'm liking what I'm seeing out of that player. But that's actually accurate. <laughs> he is in a good place. In fact, all-time high good place. But that is one of the things that he says. The problem is, is that he says that about guys we're looking at. We're like, what are you talking about? What are you looking at? This guy's not in a great place. He says it ironically. The clear the throat, no doubt about it. Impact the ball, I love it. Control the strike zone, I feel like that's more of like a spring training thing. Um, but he does like where people are constantly, even if they're not in a good spot. The Yankees relievers are not controlling the strike zone. That's what's getting them in trouble. Yeah, clear your throat because you better think of a better line than that. I really like Austin Romine's at-bats. He really came through in the clutch. Really. He's a really effective leader on this team, and it's something that this team really needs. Mentally, he's in a good place right now. Did you, did you not 
pro- uh, pronounce your T on, on purpose, mentally? Yeah. Mentally. Mentally, because I think mentally. he does do that. He kind of rolls his consonants. Yeah. 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 I guess it's a yeah. Cali, Cali boy thing. Yeah. So the, uh, there's, there's lots of these. The, the Boone Bingo is a real thing. Maybe we should start playing it on Twitter. And then uh, the final one is just insert player. We'll be going on the injured list now because <laughs> right. he's been, he's been ro- trotting that phrase out there a lot this year. Or not, or we just wait, you know, an entire day before we hear anything about an MRI about our most most important player, and everybody's freaking out, mm-hmm. and we still get vague answers. We will continue to get vague answers. Oh yeah, because yeah, do you, again, last year he he breaks fractures the wrist, and they immediately say four weeks, and then that blows up in their face. So they're not going to touch this. They're going to reevaluate. Basically, what we're going to get is Aaron Judge will be re- reevaluated in two weeks, and then we might get a timetable then, but probably not. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, does the boon the boon cliches bother you? I know the answer, but I know it bothers a lot of people. No, I don't really care. I don't care what he says to the media. I don't. They all have their tactics uh, and diffusing certain situations, and that's just that's just how they that's how they operate. Part of the part of their own little internal protocol. So um, all these things like control the strike zone. I like that. That that's a nice cliche. It's a great baseball term. Impact the ball. Good term. Love it. When I picture that, I see like the slow motion, the the dent on the baseball, and usually that means you hit it hard. I like that. Barrel up the ball. Let's let's keep the cliches going. I got we need no more guys like Clint Frazier. He got fired up and thrown out of a game. Does that does that not help people out? Like he showed emotion, got but tossed. That was, got, that was a uh, that was a he had to do that. It, did he? he couldn't I, win the I could have said that. I could have said that about a, a bunch of things. Like he should have gotten thrown out at this point, but he did. Didn't. You know, did that did that he help people out? With it was Boone? like the principle of the matter on that one. He knew he was going to get thrown out because you can't argue the the replays. The problem I have is is the uh, all the like when we're looking at Boone and we're just blaming him for everything. We're we're blaming him for a five nothing lead for bringing in Chad Green. People are like, oh well, well, Adovino and um and and Britain were good. They were rested. Well, Adovino did come in and gave up freaking two home runs and a double and a walk. Now what? Now where's the now where's the blame Boone? But that's the Boone hatred. That's someone who hates Boone so much that X. no matter what happens, he will get blamed for it. Right. It's a it's a waste of it's a waste of time. Just Guys, like the lineup, uh, I wrote something about uh, on the website. So there was a lineup earlier in the in the week, and it had Talkman, it had Romine in it, it had you know uh, Gio Urshela in it, it had all Tyler Wade in it, all the guys. And the people complaining about the lineup, like what? What is this lineup, Boone? Well, that's the roster he has right now. Like, what is he supposed to do? You, you Yankees fans, I love it. They still expect Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio and Babe Ruth to be out there, even though thirteen players, an all-star caliber lineup, is on the injured list right now. Jacoby Ellsbury would not crack the starting lineup of the injured list. That's how deep the injured list is. No, it's it's bad. It's a, it's a, the, the injured list is a freaking great lineup. It's a great lineup. It's far better than the regular day lineup. Yeah. All right. Sad. Sad. That's going to do it for us. At least the Yankees won a couple ball games. They're above 500 before they head out to the West coast. Like I said, survival mode on this nine game road trip. You can't go 500. So I'm saying I want five and four, but is four and five, the end of the world after this road trip. I, I don't know. What do you think? I just want guys coming back healthy. That's it. That's literally all I want. I want 
I want nobody else to get injured. And I want to start seeing guys come back because I think the, the rest of it will take care of itself. We just need to get healthy. We almost got another guy, Britton, down. I was listening to John and I Susan. I thought for sure he was going down. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was watching that. I was like, he grabbed himself immediately. Uh, but no, he, he was effective after that. So wouldn't surprise me, though, if he popped up somewhere else with an MRI and a string. Right. All right. We will talk to you guys Thursday. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.